singing and particularly improvising, like what I did did earlier as an opener, just pure improvisation, just playing with my voice. What am I feeling today? Where am I? Where's the voice? How am I feeling? What am I being informed by? What was on the news this morning? What's the weather like? I mean, all that comes into play. Sometimes I, I, I call myself a human barometer, you know, like you're vibrating to what's in the world and what's in the, you know, and how do I use that? So I use that as a spiritual practice, just like you might have a yoga practice, just like you might have a prayer practice, and I have all of those, <laughs> but it's another tool that I use as a spiritual practice. It's a meditation. It's a... Um, expression of divinity in me. It's an embodiment of that expression. It's a teacher for me. If certain things aren't working, then I'm looking for, okay, what is that teaching me about today? Where is my voice not happening? Where is my voice leading me? Where is my life experience leading me into the songs that I might be interested in singing or writing? All that, all that going on. And it, to me, it is a trinity of creation. It's the creator, it's me as a human, and it's the spirit. So another one of those circular patterns. Divinity, creation, spirit. I can't exist without that. So one of the things that's so important as a singer, of course, but even as a human is our breath. So many traditions consider this the, in the embodiment, the habitation as a human. Um, our Hebrew friends would call it ruach, if you've studied that before. Um, the word inspirare is inspiration. That means breath from Latin. That, and it also means spirit. So breath and spirit. So it's the spirit in the body that takes me. So when I start improvising, the breath, of course, I can't I can't sing. I can't even walk around if I don't have breath. But I start using it um, personally as a way to, f- to feel myself. So the breath, I might do something like... I do this on stage. I play with it. Play with it. It's all play. It's all right. Right, Harry? It's all play. It's all play. It's so much fun. And breath, so important. It's the spirit infused. It's, it's almost as if it's channeled. And the spirit of music, like any art form, but I'm talking about mine, which is music, is so hard to express. How do you put that into words? Like if I'm coming off the bandstand, you know, and, and we're behind the scenes and we've just played a concert and we'll kind of look at each other, you know, did we bring it? Was the spirit there? Did we get there? Did we, did we hit the places where we really wanted to? Because it's often a practice 
um, in our Middle Eastern and um, East Indian traditions with ragas, they will play the raga, which is almost like a main theme, and it may go on for like an hour because they are waiting to create the vibration, to create the scenario for the spirit to arrive. And it's not until that spirit arrives that they will take off into improvisation. And they wait for that, je ne sais quoi, what is it? That's something, that essence that's in the air. I find that fascinating. But yet we try to talk about it. We try to talk about art. And I think, you know, can you feel me? Can you feel what is there? And even artists will put into words like, up above my head, I hear music in the air. Up above my head, I hear music in the air. Up above my head, you know? I hear music in the air. Well, there must be a God way up there. I would have this. Right in this room, I hear music in the air. Right in this room, I hear music in the air. Right in this room, I hear music in the air. Well, there must be God right in here. In my soul, I hear music in the air. In my soul, I hear music in the air. In my soul, I hear music in the air. Well, there must be God right in here. That essence we try to talk about, it's so hard. my favorites. Um, these artists I uh, present to you up here, um, I thought of um, being that it's All Saints Week and we go into really honoring our ancestors. I'm really honoring a lot of my um, jazz ancestors. May Watch, would you read this one? Jazz is a response to oppression that is not bullets and blood. Jazz is the expression of harmony and at the same time of hope and freedom. Toby. Awesome, thank you. I'll just sort of interject those from time to time, just a little inspiration of what jazz artists are saying about what moves them and what jazz is. So the art of jazz. Jazz was born out of a need to praise, weep, scream, shout and soothe. Now we could say this about a lot of forms of art. So what's different? This is the American experience, the African-American experience. Jazz was born with what we call the Western harmonies of Europe colliding with the rhythms of Africa. That's an amazing thing, an amazing thing. And that's exactly what it is. The, the Western harmonies meeting the African rhythms. And we got this incredible art form. 
So, of course, that evolved over time. And as people were living here, you know, you always assimilate what you're hearing. And, and, and traditions brought from other countries, both, both continents, to America. But this collision, this collage, this melding together. So uh, originally there would be have been um, forms of what we know as call and response. Um, I was listening to WCLK driving in, and um, Sunday morning they have a great gospel show if you ever do um, want to listen. And there was a song, a, a gospel song about blessing. I'm hearing blessing. And the choir behind him is going, blessing. I'm hearing blessing. I'm hearing blessing. Right? I mean, it's just a way, it's like, you know, it's almost like, are you there? I'm here. Do you hear me? I hear you. Do you feel it? I feel it. I mean, it's a way of community. It's called back and forth, call and response. It's also another way to think of um, chant. Um, in fact, there's some new research out, like I think through Smithsonian, that they think language even started um, intoned as song. That has huge implications for our chant life where all that came from. How fascinating. Like, uh, 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 uh. I mean, <laughs> who knows what it sounded like, but I just find that so incredibly fascinating. So call and response, circle groups, spirituals into gospel, into evolved, um, I'm doing a crash course here for you, um, into instrumentation. The form and development is so unique. Taking what people heard and doing something with it. Immensely creative. It's, an, it's another trinity that I like to think of as re-up, recycle, reuse. Re-up, recycle, reuse. I mean, people have always done that. And we think about the jazz tradition, particularly a lot of things that are improvised upon are taken from musicals, are taken from... Traditional tunes and 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 put in sort of a jazz form, and that's hard to define, especially in a short period of time. But it's taking that and applying principles to jazz that are unique and gives it new life. So, one thing that's very interesting to think about um, with the African experience coming to America, that the traditions are so strong and rooted. Um, if you're not familiar with the Gullah influence, um, I just want to fill you in. So, so um, are, are you all aware of the Gullah influence? You know, some, okay. So the barrier islands from North Carolina down to the north of Florida, when emancipation happened, those folks got cut off. There were no bridges. Maybe some boats, but everybody sort of stayed intact in the, the communities where they were living. The Penn Center in St. Helena Island um, did a study recently where they took a group back to the countries, mostly Western Africa, where those folks had come from. And the tradition, the songs, identical. The death rituals, identical. The healing herbs, identical. 
I mean, all that had been preserved over time. Doesn't mean things hadn't changed, yes, but those rooted things were so strong. I find that fascinating, fascinating. So the Gullah influence. Um, you know, and, and we'll say about jazz, a lot of times people think, oh, it's from New Orleans. Well, you know, our Charleston and Savannah folks might also, um, you know, say something about that. But it is, you know, it's certainly prevalent that it started developing in our port cities where slaves were coming in and where they were concentrated. So to me, the jazz form is a sacred circle. When we're playing together in this evolution, whether it's singing in a circle or playing in a band, typically like a band trio is piano, bass, drums. If I'm singing, usually piano there, bass behind me, drums here, but we're kind of forming a circle. Even if we're in performance mode where we're facing out. But it's this sacred circle where we're holding for each other and yet allowing individuals to be heard in other words, you know, as we solo, each voice gets to have a say. It's like, you know, if I'm the singer, I'm like, you know, la 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 Okay, what you got to say? And you know, the piano does a solo. What do you got to say? Okay, that's interesting. How about you? You know, and we take turns. So it's the amazing thing to me that, you know, we'll have a song. We're all singing it together or playing it together. That's agreed upon. We agree on the key. We agree maybe the kind of mood, um, but, but the longer I play with people, you know, like mm, they may launch into something else and the music goes off in a different direction. And the freedom in that is beyond belief because it's total play at the time. It's as if I um, have said, uh, like a five-year-old, will you come to my house for a play date? I have a great sandbox. And I've got some tools in it. And your friends agree? Sure, I'll come over. Okay, I'll play with the shovel. Okay, great, I'll play with the pail. Okay, I'll play with... So you, it's agreed upon, but everybody's playing together. There's no boss, necessarily. It's, it's an egalitarian situation. So... Nina Simone, you can't help it. An artist's duty, as far as I'm concerned, is to reflect the times. Hugh Masakela from South Africa. All my experiences remove geography from my world. Miles Davis, who was playing when, when I, we started, takes a long time to sound like yourself. John Coltrane, who wrote a lot of things for spiritual, I mean, very intentional spiritual purpose. The main thing a musician would like to do is to give a picture to the listener to the many wonderful things he knows of and senses in the universe. So I'm very curious about this. As a cradle Episcopalian, the Trinitarian model is stuck in me. So I've already talked to you about resistance, reflection, resilience. Uh, uh, hold on. The cycle of life would be creation, death, resurrection. 
what I think of as Holy Trinity, Creator, Human Spirit, that I've already talked about. As a human, we talk about body, mind, spirit. In democracy, can you name them? Three branches. That's it, presidential, judicial, legislative. As a musician, I think of my body embodiment, my breath of the spirit, and the expression of that as the divinity, and that all of that is happening for me. In jazz, there are many forms of instrumentation, orchestration that we could have, but what's iconic is the jazz trio. And even if I'm a singer, we call that trio, even if they're with me, the rhythm section. So, three. Now this is very curious. Wynton Marsalis, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting, hold on, hold on, I'm gonna make you stop. Hold that thought. So sidebar now to democracy. I love democracy. I don't know a better system. If I did, I'd love that, I guess. What I do know about democracy that I'm seeing right now is, is um, you know, we need a healthy democracy. This is my personal statement. I'm not so sure how healthy we are right now. The two-party system needs to be in vigorous fellowship together. So maybe we need a little help. But democracy was radical at inception. It was both socially and spiritually. Charles Thompson, who was a Latin expert, proposed the motto for the U.S. seal at the time of the Declaration of Independence. Novus Ordo Seclorum. Do you know that? A new order of the ages. Implied in this was God giving power to everyone as opposed to aristocracy, where God supposedly chose the king or queen, to, signific to, significa to signify the beginning of a new American era as the date of the Declaration of, of Independence. It was the second of two mottos on the Great Seal, and it's printed on the back of our dollar. We're still saying this, folks. It's under the, this really mystical uh, pyramid with the Masonic eye, right? I find that fascinating. Well, that was taken from Virgil's eclogue, that statement. A little clip from, from that is um, where it was taken. Now has come the final era of the Sybil's song. Hello. Musicians, teaching the way. The great order of the ages is born afresh. Now justice returns, honored rules return, and a new lineage is sent down from high heaven. Sybil's song, I love that. A Sybil was a, a fortune teller, a foreseer, and even in that time, they thought that the Sybils were um, foreshadowing and telling about the coming of Christ um, through song. So this new order, 
Interesting. Not sure we got that quite right or remembered our brothers and sisters who are beside us. Jazz and democracy. So Wynton Marsalis, um, I had a nice little chat with him. We have an annual jazz congress at Lincoln Center. Um, and he had been speaking on democracy um, last January. And his papers are housed at Harvard. You can go read them if you want to read further. But he says his take on uh, jazz and democracy is that the drums are the president. They are driving the train. They decide the groove. The bass is the judicial, judging every minute, kind of holding, you know, holding it all together back here. The piano would be legislative. There's so many voices, all those keys, so many choices to make. And that's what we call our rhythm section. Winton also says that the three things that are taught about democracy through jazz, that the blues, so iconic. The blues are just universally loved everywhere. But it teaches us that things happen in life. Swing, which is the iconic. Teaches us how to work together. If, you, if, if everybody's not swinging in the same sort of groove, it'll just like be all over the place. Improvisation teaches us about our own unique spirit. But we have to listen to each other. Hmm. Are we listening to each other in America now? That's my wonder. So I want to show you a clip of, boy, time is flying, of um, what you're going to see is um, my band. And I've just, just prior to what's going into this is um, I have done a poem by Maya Angelou called Caged Bird, which um, Maya was inspired by um, Paul Lawrence Dunbar's poem called Sympathy about caged birds, which has a lot to do with the metaphor of being um, enslaved and freedom. The song I go into is by Abby Lincoln, also called Caged Bird. But I'm going to point out some things, what's happening within the trio or within our quartet. Um, things that happen, like, I, I'm so glad I have this on video because you wouldn't, I couldn't have planned it. Couldn't have planned it any better.
statement and now we see what happens next he's going to feel something and they're feeling it too yeah like what's inspiring so we're making bird sounds so kevin's taken off on the piano Grammy-nominated Kevin Bales teaches at Georgia State. He's building the intensity. Bird taking flight, about to bust out of the cage. just playing 
right? Just responding in the moment, people. So then it moves to the bass. Rodney Jordan, uh, Grammy Award winning, teaches at Florida State University. So all of a sudden we're down, everything is hushed, and we're just hearing him. See what happens. drums and applause again. Did you see it? Making sense? All right, y'all, this is my one of my spiritual jazz musical gurus. I did a whole CD on her. Abby Lincoln, the best thing you can do is to be a woman and stand before the world and speak your heart. Right? Right? With freedom, freedom of expression. So this trinity in action, the trio, the rhythm section, derivatives from there. Like I said, this is a crash course has infused and allowed the development of rhythm and blues, rock and roll, hip-hop, rap, pop, all of it. So my friends, if you're a rock and roll lover, it wouldn't exist without jazz. It couldn't have been born. All those forms infused by that. Chuck Berry, Elvis, the Allman Brothers, Fish, Widespread Panic, all of them. There's a great movie out if you get a chance to see. Um, it's on Amazon Prime called Blue Note Records, Beyond the Notes. And um, it really gives a great background of um, the trajectory of jazz and it how it really has infused current times. So you might want to check that out. Um, there's also a great um, episode on the 1619 Project. It's episode three on American music. Wonderful. Um, so since we're, we're getting close to time, um, 
I want to say that the universality of jazz, um, Herbie Hancock that I showed before started in 2011. UNESCO's, um, our International Day of Jazz, which is April 30th, because jazz has really gone on to be revered all throughout the world. I haven't even hit Asia yet. The Japanese are crazy about jazz. Some of our, our hugest uh, fans and heroes. Um, I want to show you a few more clips of slides and get to just one of my favorites before I open it up for questions. Thelonious Monk. Mary Lou Williams, who is from Atlanta, um, also wrote really poignantly um, for um, Spirit and, um, and Jazz. Sonny Rollins. I love this one, um, Carlos Jobim. I was a beach boy, because I grew up in Florida, so I relate to this. I was a beach boy, and I believe I learned my songs from the birds of the Brazilian forest. Of course, whatever we're hearing. Eartha Kitt, I stayed on my own path and did not follow the herd. I made a way for myself. Forest Silver, I'm going to jump through. This is one of my favorites. Yusuf Latif, when the soul looks out of its body, it should see only beauty in its path. These are the sights we must hold in mind in order to move to a higher place. Ella Fitzgerald, just don't give up trying to do what you really want to do. Lena Horne, one of my mama's favorites. Nobody black or white who really believes in democracy can stand aside now. And she was saying this a long time ago. Everybody's got to stand up and be counted. Billie Holiday. Okay, I love this. I learned courage from Buddha, Jesus, Lincoln, Einstein, and Mr. Cary Grant. <laughs> this cracks me up. Peggy Lee. So this is democracy in action. The jazz trio, the jazz form. This is a, just a crash course. Um, but it's what I love, it's what I'm passionate about, it's how I love to um, express myself. Um, and I have one more slide for you that I w before I open it up to um, questions. I found this really fabulous on Instagram by a guy named O Gunner. Jazz is my religion. That's Thelonious Monk there with his hat. So, questions, comments? Oh, boy. You know, I mean, that's a dance, too, because it's, it's um, a balancing act. Did you hear a question? Does jazz make you put down your ego? Um, it does, but again, I think it's sort of a cycle. I mean, of course, you need like a healthy ego to be able to stand up and, and perform and to believe in what you're saying and what you're doing. Um, but you have to totally let go. It's, it's like meditation, because if you're going to give in to the groove of what's happening, I don't even know who I am or where I am. I'm just a kid playing in the sandbox, you know, just playing. Questions, yeah. 
I think I was about seven years old. And um, I'm one of four children. I'm the youngest. My ha parents had a handful, but I do come from a long line of musicians. My dad's dad was a composer in North Carolina of music theater, um, but I never knew him. He died before I came along. Um, but there was always music, all sorts of music playing in my house um, growing up, and my parents were, were passionate about it. Um, I remember I've got a picture of me at like Christmas time. I got like a baton, and all I'm doing is with the baton is, you know, of course, singing. And I remember saying to my parents, I want to learn jazz. I, I'm also a pianist. It's like, I want to learn jazz. I want to learn jazz. Well, this was in Orlando, in Central Florida in the 60s, 70s. And my parents really didn't know where to take me or how to do that. So, of course, what did I do? I studied Western classical music, you know, going to, to um, music school. And every, every, every piece along the way, I'd say, okay, great. I want to learn jazz now. Okay, and, and it's, just, it's just what fell in my lap and what I could do. So it wasn't until maybe high school that I got to learn a little jazz piano, but it was like a summer course. It wasn't even available um, nearby. Then when I went to Florida State School of Music, um, I went to the jazz department. Um, but I had to supplement because I was studying other things in music too for my degree. And then you hit the streets and you just go to the, the jams and, and hang out and, um, and further my education. So for me, you know, it's been a long line of study for sure. But I would say seven years old. In fact, you know what I was singing? I was singing, I'm a jazz baby. Little jazz baby, that's me. And that was my little, my little mantra. <laughs> my sandbox, that's exactly right. Yeah, questions? I don't sing anywhere regularly, but, um, you know, I City Winery usually once, once a year, um, Red Light Cafe, um, used to be Churchill Grounds, um, The Velvet Note, you know, but I also, I tour and teach um, all over, so stay tuned and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, things will be on my website, et cetera. Uh, I have a new CD coming out in January, actually, that's very civil rights oriented. And uh, the CD release actually will be um, part fundraiser, and it'll take place in April at the Center for Civil and Human Rights downtown, the National Museum. Yeah. Perfect, absolutely. So, so this is a really cool thing. Um, so there is a form, there's a structure, which is so cool about sort of the sacred circle is that we know how many beats there are in this form. We know how many measures there are. These are how we divide music. We know that we're playing in the key of B flat. Okay, and so that has implications for then from B flat, where do you go to when it changes the harmony to then E flat or to G major seven or to D flat, et cetera, et cetera. But we know that. And so you're improvising within that form so that it's cohesive, so the song makes sense. Unless you're doing free improvisation. 
which is another thing. So I might, you know, also with a band like create just a soundscape and we have no idea where we're going. We just jump in and follow. And that's a whole nother derivative of jazz. Yeah. Great question. Yeah. Right. Well, I don't know how much I can go to now, but in other words, when you have Western cult, you know, Western European culture that came to America, they really and, and still do, they do in a great way, hold on to what to European classical Beethoven, Bach. I mean, it's great stuff, but we we held on to that. Um, for a long time, there wasn't new music being born in America until the African influence came. They're bringing their songs, but they're hearing what the white folks are doing. The white folks are hearing what the black folks are doing. And, you know, assimilation, like cultures have been doing all, all the time. You, you emulate and use and infuse what you're hearing. You can't help it. The birds sound different. The cicadas are different. The you know everything's different. The soil's different. Like you can't help but be informed by that as an artist and as a people and as a culture. Um, so of course we have Americana music, but that came much later. Much later, and also informed by jazz in many ways. And bl well, blues are are born out of um, jazz and a certain type of jazz. I think I should let you go. I'm happy to talk to you if you have more questions. Um, thank you so much for being here, and I'd love to know your thoughts. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>